0: Be Wealthy and Smart, Episode 83.
1: Step into a world of wealth and financial freedom without budgets. Boredom or Bosses on Be Wealthy and Smart. And now, here's your host, Linda P. Jones.
0: Welcome to Be Wealthy and Smart. I'm Linda P. Jones, America's Wealth Mentor, empowering women and men worldwide to financial freedom. On today's show, I have an interesting interview with Simon Cunningham of LendingMemo.com, Simon talks about peer-to-peer lending, which I really honestly had not heard a lot about prior to this interview and some research that I did. But the more that I started to study it, the more I saw it was fascinating and something that is a new technology that is going to change the way banking exists in the future and and has already changed over the last several years. In this episode, you're going to learn from an investor's perspective how you can gain higher interest in your investments, like within your IRA. And from a borrower's perspective, you're going to learn how you can lower your interest rate. This is a win-win for both sides. I think it's a fascinating interview. I hope you enjoy it. I'm so excited to have Simon Cunningham on the show with us today from Lending Memo. How are you doing, Simon?
1: Hello. Hello. Good to be here.
0: (laughs) Great to have you. So I've been reading about peer-to-peer lending, and it's a fascinating subject. And you are going to be educating us about that today. And I'm so excited about that. Tell us about how you got into this.
1: All right. Well, let's see here. Um, I'm one of these people that spent way too much time going to college. So I spent like, uh, uh, let's see here, that would be around eight years getting degrees that I no longer use. And uh, when when I first got my, uh, graduated with, you know, I finished this whole like long process of undergraduate and graduate school, I actually got a a job for the first time in my life, right? Like a real job with a salary and everything. And I uh, didn't, I'm like, okay, so I have this this job and I have this money to um, put into a retirement account. Where do I put this money? And so one of the things that was really important to me was finding a way to invest that would be... Um, good for the world. So I was raised in a family that really emphasized that every decision we make should be thoughtful and kind towards other people. And I know that there are lots of people out there who invest in, in like kind of you know index funds and, and uh, there isn't so much kind of a, um, a, a mission bent to, to kind of what they're doing. But back then that was really important to me. And so what I did is I did some research and I found this like socially responsible mutual fund. And I kind of got excited about that and opened up an IRA and started getting involved. And after about two or three months, I was like, oh, I wonder what the holdings are of this socially responsible mutual fund. And I opened it up and like number two on the list was PepsiCo, uh, which, uh, I, you know, I love cola, but uh, frankly, Pepsi is not like the most socially responsible item the world needs. Right? I would agree. So I was all right so this doesn't work what else is out there and so i just started doing research and nothing mainstream really caught my eye but there was this kind of alternative investment called peer-to-peer lending and i realized that 85 percent of the loans uh that i could invest in were actually going to people getting out of credit card debt and uh putting them at a lower rate fixed term fixed rate and uh they were becoming debt free and i had the opportunity to actually have a retirement account invest in these people and uh Earn a return, so I thought that's just win win. So I jumped in and it's been uh it's been a wild ride ever since then.
0: Wow. And you started lending memo, which is an educational site about peer-to-peer lending, is that right?
1: Yeah, yep, that's right.
0: That is exciting. So what is so special about peer-to-peer lending?
1: So peer-to-peer lending is the first time in history that people can borrow and lend money to each other on a large scale. So it's it's never been done before where a massive amount of people could borrow and lend money to each other. That's that's never existed. It's always, of course, existed on small scales like borrowing and lending to your friends and family or maybe community groups or something like that. But there's never been a large scale ability for people to borrow and lend directly to and from each other. So what's so great about that is that it cuts out all these middlemen which have existed in our country, you know, f- pretty much for forever, banks. And uh, the banks acted as these intermediaries, and they would take money from the depositors, and then they would turn around and lend it to people who needed loans, mortgages and personal credit lines, this sort of thing. And what the Internet has allowed us to do is to kind of cut banks totally out of the equation, and it allows people directly to invest and borrow directly to and from each other. And as a result, because there's no middlemen kind of, uh, you know, in the middle there, vaults being paid, tellers and... Um, there's no, uh, uh, you know, FDIC insurance to cover. Um, as a result, the cost is very low. It's just like an MP3 is cheaper than a CD. The cost is lower, and as a result, borrowers have access to the, the cheapest unaccredited, uh, the cheapest um, unsecured loan rates in history, and investors get to earn an incredible return for the stability that that offers. So, you know, many investors are earning between five and nine percent, and Borrowers are earning, getting a great rate on the loan, so it's like win-win. Um, it's just people connecting to people, just without the banks.
0: Wow! So they're investing in a pool of loans. Is that right?
1: No. So this is this is uh, what's so cool about peer-to-peer lending is you actually are investing in the individual people. So it's not like a fund where you you know. If I go on to Vanguard and I put in a thousand dollars into VTI, right, their total stock market ETF, um, that that kind of gets dropped into this pool, uh, right, and so then there's, it gets kind of divided up that way. In, in peer-to-peer lending, you're actually investing in the individual borrowers. Um, so you go you go on these platforms, and there will be a long list of borrowers that you can lend to, and then what you do is you simply diversify a lump sum across you know, at least 200 of those borrowers, and then you're officially diversified, and those borrowers pay you back monthly. As they make monthly loan payments, you're going to get those payments starting to stream back into your account. Now, what's so cool about peer to lending is that uh, the, these loans are fractionalized. So, what that means is, you know, the average loan on a place like Lending Club is something like, um, I don't know, like $13,000, something like that. So, you know, you or I don't have to have 200. investments, because that would just be a lot of money. Instead, what we do is as Lending Club fractionalizes the loan, so the borrower gets that $13,000 sum and it gets divided into $25 increments. And then investors can come in and invest in a $25 increment in each borrower. That's called a note. And so in these $25 notes, they're able to take something like, let's say, a $5,000 investment, diversify that across 200 borrowers and have a steady, very consistent investment that returns something between five and nine percent per year.
0: Wow, that's really fascinating. So, in a sense, you're creating your own fund.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's that's a pretty good way to put it, actually. Um, you are creating kind of your own index of of uh, of this asset class. You know, the asset class is called unsecured consumer credit, prime consumer credit, and um, and so you know this this asset class is actually decades old, and it's and. A, this is the same asset class that banks have been investing in for a long, long time with credit cards. You know, you have to actually, you can't have bad credit to get a, approved for a credit card. You need decent credit. This is prime, most credit cards are prime-rated debt. And so then uh, the banks, if you actually go to the Fed's website and you download all the interest rates for credit cards for the last three decades, and then you download the default rate for credit cards for the last three decades, what you'll find is that the banks have never lost money on credit cards. Why is that? It's, it's not because credit cards are all that good. It's because the people they're lending money to, this is the asset class of consumer credit, prime-rated credit, is just a very consistent, rewarding credit uh, um, uh, investment that, that it's very difficult for people to bankrupt on, or they have, they have lower default rates than many other investments. So let's say you're investing in something like uh, the stock market. This kind of requires something like consumer demand, right? I mean, um, when we have a down national economy, uh, you people stop buying GoPro cameras, you know, and people stop buying um, toothpaste as much as they used to, right? And so our national economy is kind of dependent on growth, but peer-to-peer lending is a little more resilient because in a down national economy, when things get tight, people may not buy a GoPro camera, but they will pay back their loans at a at a higher rate. Now, eventually, if people are unemployed, if people run into financial trouble, they will default on these loans as well. And the, these these loans have typically defaulted at around 5% per year in a normal economic environment. Um, but what's so cool is that if you diversify across 200 loans or more, you actually, just like what you're saying, if you index the actual, uh, if you index yourself across 200 borrowers, you start to mirror or, or imitate the aggregate default rate for the entire investment. So what that means is, is that, The whole investment, peer-to-peer lending as a whole, has around 5% defaults, and if you diversify yourself across 200 borrowers, you're going to have a 5% or near something like a 5% default rate as well, at least historically that's been the case. So that's the whole point. The most important thing is if they diversify, you can kind of control the degree of your loans that aren't paid back, and as a result, you can have a very consistent investment, and that's more trustworthy over time.
0: So if they're, let's say, earning, if the investor's earning 13% and there's a 5% default rate and then there'd be some sort of fees deducted, then they That's would right. be earning the net of that. So like if there was a 1% Correct. fee, it would be like a 7% net return. Is that what we're looking at? It.
1: That's right. So the average loan at a, at a website like Lending Club is something like 13 14%. The average uh, fee taken out is 1%, and the average default rate is going to be something like 5 or 6%. So that leaves most investors with something around a 7% return. Now, you can adjust that return based on how much risk you take on. When borrowers apply, their credit score and their credit history gets pulled, and Lending Club then takes that, pushes it through a mathematical algorithm, and kind of prices these people to say, oh, this is this person has no bankruptcies, no delinquencies, he's got a great income, she's got very dependable credit history, we're going to give this person an A-graded loan. And then as an investor, I, on an A-graded loan, have a much lower chance of default than something like a D-graded loan. But, on an A-graded loan, my return is not going to be as good because they're going to reward those borrowers with a higher, with a lower interest rate, something like, you know, let's say 7%. And as a result, it, once fees and defaults are taken out, my overall return can only cap out at something like 5%, right? So what you have to see that, that what, what I do as a, personally as an investor, is invest more on the riskier side of borrowers, people who are, you know, their credit score is maybe closer to 680, 700. And those people are going to have higher default rates, but they're also going to have the rates that they're getting on a loan is something like 20% or something like that. And so as a result, my return over time has been closer to
0: 9%. That's incredible. So what kind of minimums are required for investors to invest in this?
1: Well, so that is, that's, that's been a point of discussion for the last couple of years. Um, typically, kind of the rule of thumb that the industry has arrived in is around 200 borrowers. So considering the minimum uh, loan fraction is $25, the smallest note you can buy in each loan is $25, that means that to be diversified you need 200 loans at $25 each, that's a $5,000 investment. And that way you can invest in A grade loans and B grade loans, you can invest in even some of the riskier D or E grade loans, and you can, you know, generally do whatever you want. Now that said, you can have a lower entry point if you stick to the safer loans. So let's say you want to just try peer-to-peer lending out, you could actually just transfer over $2,000, but you would have to stick in the safest A-grade loans, the, the ones that have the lowest default rates. And so typically when investors kind of try this out for the first time, they, go, they move $2,000 over, and then what they do is they uh, start to, they move $2,000 over, they pick up, let's say, 80 A-grade loans. And they sit with that for six months or a year, or a year and a half. And they sit and just watch the return. They're just kind of curious. Let's see what happens. And almost all these people have a positive experience. And they go, boy, this is really great. I'm going to move more money over and start pushing my risk into something like B's or C's or D-graded loans. So that's kind of the, the slow process that we see many investors taking. They start with a trial investment, something small like A-graded loans, $2,000. They push it up to maybe $5,000 or $10,000 and start putting it over into a wide variety of of different loans. So
0: how about investors that have more money to invest? Do they get any kind of special, uh, consideration?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say generally, no, of course that's not totally true, but, but, uh, um, as a, as a generalization, particularly through lending club and I I would say fairly through prosper as well. Um, If you have more money, you do not have an advantage, and and sometimes you actually have a disadvantage. Um, So one of the benefits of having less money on these platforms is that you, so the SEC has defined peer-to-peer loans, um, legally defined them as securities, and one of the benefits of a security means it can be bought and sold. So there's actually a secondary market available for people who have $25 notes, $50, $100, $200 loans, uh, notes. They can actually buy and sell those on a secondary market through a company called Folio. So once you've invested at Lending Club, there's this little link in the nav bar, and it says trading, trading account. You can click there, and it's the secondary market. You can buy and sell these securities, these little you know frac twenty-five dollar fractions of peer-to-peer loans. But if you're a big, huge investor, you know, you, let's say you're buying entire loans at a time, and some of these loans are as big as thirty-five thousand dollars. So a company like you know, BlackRock, which is an asset manager with $3 trillion in managed assets in the United States, they're a huge backer for Prosper. And they're buying loans of, let's say, $35,000 a pop. It's going to be very difficult to find somebody out there who also is like, oh, you're selling a $35,000 loan? I'll buy that from you. You know, the market, once you start to get into these really large loan sizes, is very small. So as a result, all this to say, small investors have a great deal of liquidity. So if they want to just, like, explore this investment, you know, pick up 200 notes at $25 each, they can have a positive experience, they have a negative experience, and you know, they don't like it, so they just can liquidate their account on the secondary market and back out. So overall, um, big dollar investors and small dollar investors have the exact same experience, but there are kind of some benefits for being smaller in that you can kind of liquidate, you have more liquidity for your investment.
0: Well, that's really interesting that large institutions are getting involved in this. And it makes so much sense because, A, there's nowhere to put money today with interest rates being so low. Right. And B, you know, these... What, you, don't,
1: you don't think the stock market's going to keep going up for the next four years? No.
0: <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Um, In fact, I think we're coming into a time when we're hitting another cycle where we're going to go through what we went through in 2007 and 8. So what happened in 2007 and 8 with these loans, and how does an economic recession impact loans?
1: All right, so I'm going to kind of make a statement here, which is a little controversial. I actually am kind of rooting for a recession to hit our country. And the reason that I say that is, not, not that I want people to lose their jobs, far from it, but a part of me wants people to see how resilient peer-to-peer lending is in comparison to traditional investments like stocks and bonds. Um, In 2008, you had the largest economic catastrophe since the Great Depression.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You had had, uh, the S&P lost, you know, what, a third of its value in a single year. Mm -hmm. Um, Just stocks got trashed. And as a result, all these people got very cynical about investing in general. Everyone hated the stock market. Now here we are with a bull run all these years later, and everyone's a big fan of the stock market again. Of hilarious. It's like theater to me. But what, well, what what happened in 2008 was... Now, this was the very earliest years of peer-to-peer lending, so the numbers are... not There's some debate about whether or not we can say peer-to-peer lending has experienced a full recession. I would say probably it hasn't totally, but it did to some degree. And what we did see was that the earliest vintages of peer-to-peer loans that existed in 2008 still netted investors a positive return, even as the stocks lost their investors a third of their money. And that just goes again back to the asset class of prime consumer credit, the same asset class that banks have been earning great returns off of credit cards for all this time. Um, In something like a a nasty economic environment, people are going to stop buying GoPro cameras, but they will be more committed to the lines of credit that they've taken out, paying off their credit card bills. You know They're not going to be going out to their fanciest restaurant every day of the week, but they will pay back their loans more likely than less likely. And so as a result, you're going to have much more consistency in this investment than you would with something like a stock market. And frankly, you know, the credit cards, again, have never had a negative year as long as we've been tracking them, as long as they've been providing interest and default rates to the Fed. So- and
0: how long is that?
1: Oh, it's decades. I mean, you can go there and you can download entire spreadsheets um, of interest rates and default rates. I actually have a website, uh, an article I wrote on my website called, This Investment Has 20 Years Without a Down Year, right? Mm-hmm. 20 positive years of returns. And uh, I actually broke down all the numbers and created these really cool graphs that, that uh, show the default interest rates um, year by year for credit cards, and the two lines never touch. Even in 2008, there still was a gap between them banks still made a positive return on credit cards in those years.
0: It's incredible. Well, I've often thought that it's ridiculous the rates that credit cards can charge. I mean, yeah. I don't know what happened to the usury laws and and how they got around this, but it's just really ridiculous some of the rates that cards are charging.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's remember that credit cards were never intended to be used as a place to carry long-term debt, right? Credit cards were not supposed to be a place where, like, let's say you re- refinish your your kitchen and you put twenty grand on your Mastercard and it just sits there and revolves for the next two years until you pay it off. That is not the real reason that that they were made. The reason that they're made is to be a good utility vehicle for taking on short-term debt and having an easy, consistent way to kind of pay for your spending throughout the day. You know, it kind of consolidates things, puts you cash free, and you can pay it off uh, over short periods of time. And in that regard, a high interest rate is actually a pretty normal thing. You know, for all the, the the heat that short-term payday loans get, you know, it's a general practice in lending that the shorter the term, the higher the interest rate. So I would say that credit card rates, yes, at times they've been horrible and they're oppressive to people, and the credit card companies have been responsible for large amounts of human suffering in our country, I think that's fair to say. But to some degree, that's because they were never supposed to be a place to carry long-term debt to begin with. So what you have is lots of people who are going, why in the world am I carrying $20,000 of debt at you know something like 19% to a credit card when I can go on Lending Club and I can reconsolidate that into a fixed rate loan at 14%, which is the average loan. And so the average borrower when they go to a place like Lending Club or Prosper is actually getting something like 5% better than the credit cards they were holding. So. There's kind of two benefits happening. One is because this is a fixed term, fixed rate, amortizing line of credit, which is just better than revolving credit anyways. But the second thing is is that credit, uh, peer-to-peer lending has such lower cost structure because unlike Discovered and unlike Wells Fargo, they don't have big vaults and tellers and massive amounts of vice presidents they gotta pay money to. So as a result, they pass the savings over their borrowers at lower rates. So all that to say, it just makes sense. You know, if people are in debt to credit card companies, they need to stop doing that. They need to get that, that money, if, especially if it's a large sum, push it over to something like a peer-to-peer loan or a consolidation loan, and start paying it off, and, and And know that three years from now, that fixed-term loan is going to be paid off, and they're going to be debt-free.
0: So that was great information, and we've been talking about the investor side mainly, but let's now focus yeah. on the side of the person who has credit card debt. So. Yeah. How do they qualify? What kind of information do they need to know? When would they come to peer-to-peer lending versus a, a debt consolidation company?
1: They should, my opinion, they should always go first to a peer-to-peer lending company. And that is because uh, on the average, peer-to-peer lending companies like Lending Club and Prosper are going to have lower interest rates than something like a, a Discover Bank, right? That's, that's just generally going to be true these companies a company like prosper has you know less than 500 employees they have two locations and a company like let's say wells fargo has 270,000 employees and 9,000 branches right so just the difference in cost alone means that if you're a borrower and you need to consolidate debt you're going to get a cheaper rate through an internet company than through a bank that's in your local town that's just that's just the truth of the matter So a lot of people want to know, though, like, what is the benefit of investing in a peer-to-peer loan versus a normal loan through a bank like Wells Fargo or something like that? Well, actually, the experience is somewhat similar. Um, You just are going to fill out an application. They're going to, you know, kind of look at your credit history they're going to ve- verify your, your identity. So, they're going to maybe ask for some sub, uh, additional documents to submit, like tax forms or W 2 stubs or something like that, or pay stubs, W 2 forms. Um, and they're going to consul- put that together and they're going to approve or deny you. And then you'd get a lump someplace in your checking account. And then you would pay that back slowly, month over month, until you're debt free. Now, what the difference with a peer to peer loan versus a bank loan? Is that the decision point is much faster? In fact, uh, most of these companies, Lending Club and Prosper, will give loans to people as soon as in in 30 seconds. You type in your information, you know, you provide your your personally identifying information, and they're going to have a credit decision for you in 30 seconds because. What's behind this isn't a bunch of people pushing calculators around, it's actually a, a really intricate mathematical model that's going to have a very consistent, great way to say, yes, this person is a good borrower, this person deserves a loan. Um, and then there's still going to be some verification process. You will need to submit forms like tax forms or pay stubs to a company like Lending Club. But they, you know, I, I applied to Prosper and I got a loan back to myself in four days. So. I, I sat in my pajamas in my living room <laughs> on a Monday morning. I typed in my name, address, social security number, telephone, uh, and annual income into that screen. And they instantly gave me a, loan, a rate on a loan, which I want to say it was like 10% or something. I have pretty good credit history. And then I had the money Instant, I had to verify my account. I think I had to send in my bank statements for myself. And then I had to send that money back to – or I'm sorry. Then they put the money in my checking account within four days. So on Thursday that week, I had the money in my checking account. It was amazing.
0: Wow. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. So are they verifying that you have credit card debt to pay off or not?
1: Um, okay, so typically when you pull somebody's credit history, their revolving accounts are going to show up there. Now, that – to say, it's not like if you say, hey, I need this for credit card consolidation, and they pull your credit history and they don't find it there, they're going to be like, ah, this person's lying. You know that That's that's not really the approach that they're taking here. Um, what they're going to be doing when they pull your credit history is looking at how responsible you are as a borrower. They're not trying to verify your intent for needing a loan. So what that means is, is that you should not care so much about... Uh, you know whether or not your, cre- your credit card is actually reflected on your credit report or not. What you should care about is, you know, what does your current credit history look like? Do you have outstanding debt? Um, have you been making your payments on time? Do you have n- you know, negative things against your account? And how can you fix those? And, th- and that's much, a much better way to get a good rate on a loan, is actually kind of going through this long list of uh, um, ways to actually heal your credit score and uh, you can get a lower rate on a peer-to-peer loan that way.
0: So then, because it's not necessarily tied to credit cards, someone could conceivably get a car loan this way, or any kind of loan that they need.
1: That's right. So even though 80, 85% of these loans are going to credit card consolidation, 15% go to all sorts of different purposes. People have auto loans, people have student loans. Actually the most popular thing people use these for is home repair. The second most popular thing is medical issues. So. You know, the, the point, Lending Club of Prosper, they do care about, you know, what you say you want to use the loan for, but their biggest concern is whether or not you're a credit worthy borrower. That's their biggest um, issue. And if you have great credit, they're going to say, you know what, take this $30,000 loan and, you know, spend it on Batman memorabilia. It doesn't matter to us. You're a responsible person. You're going to pay this back on time. Go nuts, you know. <sighs>
0: Wow, that's really fascinating, and what a game changer in the financial industry.
1: That's right. Yeah, I mean, what you, what, what this really has the opportunity. So, let's just let's just back up a second and just talk about the growth of these companies. It took Lending Club something like six years to issue their first billion dollars in loans. It took them just eight months to issue their second billion. So, this is a company that, uh, and then they they issued their the last billion they issued they issued in three months. So this is a company that's growing by leaps and bounds every single year. Um, I don't really, I actually don't know what they're up to right now. I want to say like seven, seven billion dollars in total issued loans right now. So th- these companies are growing by leaps and bounds, and the credit card and banking establishment are kind of looking at this, going, yeah, what happens here? You know, how do we respond to this sort of thing? And uh, so you have a really interesting kind of narrative playing out in our country at large. You have these kind of brick-and-mortar institutions who are being cut out by the Internet and by tech companies. So it could get really interesting here in the next 10 years.
0: It's what they call a disruptive technology, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Very disruptive for yes. financial services. I bet they're very worried about this.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: So what is the best part about peer-to-peer lending?
1: Well, um, so my... Personally, so I, I'll, I'll answer this from two different perspectives, from borrowers and from lenders. But they're, they're related. They're pretty much the same thing. As a borrower, the best reason to have a peer-to-peer loan is to get out of debt. Once you get one of these loans, you're going to be offered a rate that is 5% lower than your credit cards. You're going to have a certain target date, which you will be debt-free for the rest of your – you know, which you're, all the debt that you're under will be gone. So you can set up like a three-year loan. Let's say you're in debt eighteen thousand dollars. You can put uh, you can get this lump sum of eighteen thousand dollars put in your checking account by Lending Club or Prosper. You use that money, pay off your credit cards, and then you would slowly pay off that eighteen thousand dollar debt um, month by month for the next three years. And you can know that on this date in April two thousand eighteen. I will no longer be under this nasty burden of debt that I've been paying off for for who knows how long to these these revolving lines of credit to these credit card companies. So you know the the best thing that this thing offers for borrowers is really freedom, their ability to no longer uh, suffer under the weight of their past decisions, um, no longer have to suffer under credit card companies who are changing interest rates, who are you know putting in hidden fees and charging them 20% interest on a loan, but to have a, a real date set in mind where they can be paid off debt-free and they can focus on what's more important in life, which is saving for retirement and, and uh, having money for your kids and uh, being able to pay you know, for things like haircuts and, and just uh, more normal things instead of being forced to shell out money every single month to these companies. Now as an investor, the best part of this investment really, in my opinion, isn't the return that it offers. Yes, peer-to-peer lending offers investors a great return, 5 to 9% per year depending on how much risk you take on. Um, and it's very consistent time after time, year after year, even in a down, nasty economic environment. But the best part about peer-to-peer lending is the fact that you get to take a part in helping set borrowers free from debt. Your IRA, your own retirement account, can actually go towards setting borrowers free from credit cards. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know there's some sort of deep satisfaction that I get if I take a step back and I look at my IRA, I look at my investments and I go, "Boy, not only am I earning a great return here, I really I'm setting all these people free from debt and they get to have more time for their families. They get to save for retirement. They get to take their, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend out for a, a date night at the movies. And that's, you know, I I had a part to play in that thing. Yes, a small part. I was kind of a hidden player in their story but nonetheless 85% of my investment is going toward debt consolidation that makes me feel good about myself and it makes me feel that my investments in my IRA is not just here to just quote unquote make me money which is great you know all of us need to retire and spend because uh, we lose the ability to earn money later in life right but in the short term i actually get to take part in the liberation of all these people from the burden of debt altogether and that just makes me feel really good
0: Phenomenal. Simon, how can people learn more about this?
1: Well, the, the main purpose of the website, uh, LendingMemo.com, is education. We're here to help borrowers and lenders, um, particularly this site is geared towards investors because that side is slightly more complicated. Um, but we're here to get investors and borrowers involved in peer-to-peer lending. And so uh, go over to LendingClub, or I'm sorry, go over to LendingMemo.com and uh, um, you can read ebooks. Um, there's articles, there's videos there. And uh, to help you get started earning a great return or help you get out of debt. That's what we're here to do.
0: Well, you've put together a great educational site at LendingMemo.com. And I know people are going to benefit from that, learn a lot, and you are going to have the positive impact that you've wanted to. So thank you so much for being here today.
1: Well, thank you, Linda. It's been a fun time.
0: My pleasure. Simon's information is truly life-changing, not just for investors, but for borrowers, too. I recommend that you read his report, What is Peer-to-Peer Lending? You can get a link on my website at lindapjones.com, go to podcasts, and then click on podcast 83, which is my interview with Simon on peer-to-peer lending. He's got a link there. You can get a free report all about peer-to-peer lending, what it is, all the education that he has provided is phenomenal. So as usual, I want you to educate yourself before making any decisions, before taking any action, always educate yourself first and make your own decisions. Also, if you haven't gone over to lindapjones.com yet for your 21 Days to a Wealthy Mindset, this is the place to start. This is where a wealthy mindset is the beginning of all the wealth that you're building. And it's important to change how you think so that you can create the wealth that you want. So go on over to lindapjones.com and get your free 21 days to a wealthy mindset course. You won't regret it. Until next time, live the good life and be wealthy and smart.